This episode of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast is very kindly sponsored by Dumfries and Galloway What's Going On. Dumfries and Galloway What's Going On is the region's biggest online media and news page. They have a whole host of information, including local stories, sports news, weather and traffic reports, event info, job postings, and much, much more. And best of all, Ross, it's free. So if you want to check out Dumfries and Galloway, what's going on, you can find them on their website at www.dgwgo.com or you can search them on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and all other social media platforms at DGWGO. If you want to know what's going on in Dumfries and Galloway, they have you covered. Hello and welcome once again to the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. I'm Ross Anderson and this is my favourite time of the week. I'm getting to run through all the class things that have gone on in the last week in southwest Scotland. This week there is no guest and that is because next week, to mark our 20th episode, a landmark, we have a really special guest that is bound to be an absolute cracker of an episode. Now, I won't tell you who it is, but my clue, if I'm allowed to give one, is that it'll, it'll be very topical in light of recent rugby developments. Now, from me, that's all you're getting, because I don't want to steal John's thunder, who always puts out a little teaser on the socials every week. So be sure to look out for that one too, and get your guesses in for who we might have on the pod. Speaking of John, he is, of course, alongside me today. There is no guest today, John, but it gives us a good chance to run through some really good fixtures coming up and some really big scores in the games that we had at the weekend. It's been a while since it's just been you and me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it just gives us a it gives us a chance to catch our breath, get ourselves set up for, for another run of guests in the next couple of weeks. It's exciting. Yeah, and as I say, we've got some exciting guests coming up. But like you said, gives us a chance to take a bit of stock. And before we do the Dumfries and Galloway sides, we've got to take stock on Scotland as well, of course. Very proud run so far it's been in the Six Nations. And even though it was a loss at the weekend, I think still another performance to be very proud of. Yeah, I was... I'll be honest. I th- as soon as the red card was shown to to Gilchrist, as soon as I seen that on the on the screen and on the slow mo, you just knew straight away it was it was going to be a red in the in the current circumstances. There was no wrap straight to the head. You know the, the referees had no no option but to but to card them. And I thought to myself, well, that's it. Job done. France going to absolutely maul us now. And true enough, they, they scored pretty quickly after that, didn't they? But then the, the the wee shimmer of hope that just keeps all Scotland fans on the on the tender hooks when that prop after punching Jamie Ritchie a couple of years seasons ago at Murrayfield decided he was going to wrap the nut in poor Whitey. <laughs> I thought, oh, here we go, game back on. And then nearly threw something at the telly. I don't know how you felt about it, but when the referee said, "I don't see it being a high degree of danger." Yeah, I was going absolutely mental. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was almost as if he was like 
talking himself out of it. He knew it was a red card, but he was just scrambling at reasons to to not give him a red. I was hurling stuff at the TV, like you say, but thankfully the the you know the third judge and the and the TMO stepped in and said, Look, "Take a look at yourself, mate. This is a clear <laughs> flying headbutt. I mean, it's as clear as a red card as you've ever seen." Well, that was exactly that was exactly the words I used. I was I was talking to the referee, going, "Ref, that's a flying headbutt." Like, there is no no sport in the world where you're allowed to do that. It's a it's a flying headbutt. You cannot be serious. You can't mitigate that down to a yellow card. You're off your nut. But yeah, as you say, TMO team, you know the the ARs managed to bail him out of a hole there from making him. Uh, Make him look a little bit silly, and but credit to him because he also listened. You know, he could have turned around and said, "No, no, I'm seeing this as only a yellow card." But he took advice and and made the right decision in the end. And you just think to yourself, if we had started better and we hadn't given France that what 19 point lead or whatever it was at the beginning, what could have been? What could have been? But the opportunity is still definitely there. We're still sitting in second, so. You know, the dream is still is still very much alive. Yeah, the the Grand Slam's gone, but the Triple Crown's still on. And Ireland didn't look that hot against Italy. Nope. Uh back at home for the Ireland game, so so you really never know. You never know. We've been good at home. This is what does you though, Ross. This yeah, is what does you. All all this there's a possibility. There's a possibility. We came into this thinking there was no chance and now they've given us that hope again and they're gonna break our hearts, I can guarantee you. It's, it's been a long time coming. It's never in my lifetime have Scotland won anything. Well, technically that's not true because when Scotland won the last five nations, I would have been a couple months old. So does that really count? No, not really. Basically in my lifetime, I've never actually seen or remembered Scotland win anything of note. In the same way that in the football, when we qualified for Euro 2020, when Scotland qualified, that was the first time I'd seen them at a national tournament in my lifetime. You know, it's been a long time coming these things so we need i need something oh, well we'll give you that i'm old enough to remember watching the 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 title win the five nations win Tony strangers scoring in the corner big gavin hastings and the leslie brothers i'm old enough to remember all that a little bit of a dis- disappointment it was fairly close in the end though we have to we have to be quite happy and it wouldn't come any closer than our first game for the results roundup, John. Now, we've five that have been played over the weekend just gone to sink our teeth into this week. We can spend a little bit longer maybe than we usually do because we've only had four games in the fixtures preview for this weekend. So the first game, much closer, a lot less high scoring. This is the one that was at the front of everyone's mind at the weekend, I think. Dumfries Saints, big rivalry playing Newton Stewart, and it ended up Saints thirteen, Newton Stewart sixteen. John, yeah. So this is the this was the big local derby, you know, the the one that everybody had circled in their in their calendar, especially after the the last time the two teams played when Newton won at Bladnock, but there was some controversy in and around a disallowed try for Dumfries and a Newton Stewart possible knock-on over the line try. But from all accounts in this game, there was there was none of those controversial moments. This was a true, described to me as a real classic local derby by both 
both my contacts at Dumfries and the Newton Stewart. The physicality and the intent from both teams was was there. Probably the the deciding difference, and this is coming from Wiley, who's obviously the Newton Stewart head coach. He said that he reckons that the the fact that Newton have been in a winning habit was probably what's just tipped it over the edge. But he said a huge credit to Dumfries as they posed a lot of questions of the Newton Stewart boys and they were they were able to handle that pretty pretty well. A shout out to Wiley though is is needed because Jersey number sixteen had a Martin Wallace next to it and I thought it was a typo. I thought surely there's someone's came in and uh, stolen Wiley's identity, a bit of identity fraud, but not true enough. Wiley had to pull on the pull on the jersey and he, he played managed to play the last ten minutes and Apparently, it's a major feat for him. He wants a shout-out on the podcast because he managed to play that 10 minutes and not give away a single penalty. So he was super chuffed with that. But, yeah, listen, there's some shout-outs needed for the Newton guys. Adam Old, who's only 18, stepping up, managing to play in in that Newton park. And Jamie Smith was unbelievable in the back row. Wilson Sloan and Andrew Campbell, who are another two under-18s, or under-18 last year that have uh, stepped into the Newton Stewart squad this year. And it was uh, it was good to see them boys getting a getting a run out in that high pressure environment. When I spoke to Goldie about from the Dumfries side, he had said that they probably had a couple of chances in the first half, but they just got a little bit of white line fever and, and butchered butchered them unfortunately. There was some massive hits going in from both sides. He said, speaking to the lads, there is a lot of sore bodies on the Sunday after the game from what you would expect from a good local derby. So that keeps Newton Stewart, obviously, in the in the hunt. Dumfries, they're going to take that on the chin. They've got to get back and regroup and see what happens from their next fixture when they play. They're one of the four fixtures this weekend, so we'll see how they go away from home. Yeah, and I've I've just got to say on that, a couple of the boys you mentioned there, Wilson and Andrew Campbell, I think, Wilson Sloan, you know, they've just come up from, from under-18s. I've played a few times with them for, for the Galloway 2s and they've they've really been putting in the effort to, to get in that Newton-Stewart side and that cannot be easy when you're top of the table coming into a team in the biggest derby in Dumfries and Galloway at the moment. Now, big, big respect to them, so... So fair play and and good to get the win. So where does that leave us, John? I know they're top of the table, but how is it looking? How many games have Newton got left? Who's in second? Yeah, so there's there's four games left for for Newton Stewart. Falkirk and Ackies are still hot on their tail. They've played one more fixture than than both those sides. So, you know, all Newton can do now as as win the remainder of their games and, and leave it to Falkirk and Ackies. You know, Ackies are sitting on four losses the same as Newton Stewart. Falkirk are sitting on only three losses. So it is a little bit in sort of Falkirk's hands almost to see how they perform in the rest of their games. Newton do have extra bonus points on them, but there's only two. So if Falkirk go unbeaten for the rest of their league season, then then they'll take the title. Aki's are sitting on the exact same bonus points, the exact same win and loss ratio. 
So that then comes down to points difference. And currently, Newton Stewart have a better points difference than Aki's, but it's still super tight up there. So it could go any direction. But as Wiley said in his message to me, they can only do what they can do. Four more games for them to concentrate on and then see where the chips land. Talking about points difference, Roscoe, Stewartry's 71-5 certainly wouldn't have done any damage to the Stewartry points difference. You were at that game? Yeah, Stewartry had uh, had Canvas Lang in town, 71-5, as you say. All in all, a very, very good performance. I think much needed after two losses on the bounce. Not only is it back to winning ways, it's back to winning ways comfortably and it's back to winning ways with the style of rugby that we're wanting to play at Stewartry which is fast which is at pace hitting the gain line balls around the corner then spraying it out to the backs and and scoring some good tries and they did do that over the weekend it's I mean with 71 points it's hard to tell you who got all the scores I know Andrew Pickin I think he was the first score either him or him or TJ I need to say that Ash got his first I don't need to say, but I think he deserves it. He's been working hard this season. Ash got his first try for for Stewartry. He played very well, actually. He made a lot of good carries. But I think the same can be said for for basically the whole team. It was a it was a solid performance. As I say, it's something that is definitely huge for the confidence. We've a cup quarter final this week. Obviously, still pushing for that second place potential promotion in whatever capacity that is going to be come the end of the season. But it, having gone two games on the bounce, losing, to then come back at home and put on a show, scoring 71 points, huge for the confidence of, of the boys, for Sandy, for, for supporters, for the whole club. So hopefully it was just a little blip against against Garnick, against East Kilbride, and it's just a platform for, for us to push on for the rest of the season. Yeah, it was massively important that one as well, considering uh, Cumnock managed to, to win one over on their Ayrshire rivals, Kilmarnock, at the weekend. Cumnock's the sort of challenge for the for that second place. The cards are in Stewartry's favour as, as we still have a game on hand on them. And, we you know, Stewartry and Cumnock still have to play each other. I think that's the last game of the season. That's going to be a real corker. But, yeah, so essentially... The promotion thing that you've talked about, Roscoe, there is yeah, there will be there will be a, a national four competition uh, going into next season, and that second place will go into a playoff. The playoff will be against the the other regions, but there is a buy option, um, and the competitions committee will probably pull a name from a hat to decide which one of those gets a buy. So the one team will end up having to play two fixtures and one team will go straight into a final. Two teams playing off early. Winner goes and plays the team that's had the bye to see who gets that fourth place in the in the national four. So there is still a promotion hope there for both Stuartry and Cumnock. Uh, unfortunately that loss probably puts Kilmarnock out of it, which I know they'll be disappointed with. Pratty up there will be disappointed. It's a fair progression from coming up, coming up into that league and, and challenging at the top of the table. And as you say, good for us as Stewartry to, to bounce back from those two losses. And we're going to be kept honest by Cumnock coming up behind us. As I say, I think the most important part is that it's we're still competing on two fronts. You know, you mentioned there about the, the promotion spot. And uh, obviously I mentioned we've a cup quarterfinal 
this weekend, which obviously we'll come to in just a minute. From one high score to the next, then, John, it's maybe you want to say kind of the same things as I've just said about Stuart. It's a huge confidence boost, and it's hard to remember who all the scorers are. But again, the only thing we care about is it was another huge win for a D&G side, and that was Shire 64, Addingston 12. Yeah, mate, when we previewed that game last week, you know, Addingston were sitting third in that league with Shire sitting fifth. That win now knocks Uddingston down into fifth place. So that just shows how tight it is at the top of that table for the Uddingston Wigtonshire fixture, how important it was. So came away with a, the massive win there. Being at home certainly helped them. So on the score predictor, there was almost 100% prediction that Shire were going to win that but the average score only reached 48-12 is what they reckoned but a shout out to to Rab the ref Shire man himself he managed to guess fairly accurately 63-6 he was pretty close on that he was also real close on that Dumfries Newton Stewart game as well when he predicted Dumfries 12 Newton Stewart 15 so he was only one, one away from both those those predictions. So, Rab the ref obviously not only knows the laws but knows knows the teams as well. Back in the D and G guys, but yeah. So let's. I I didn't get an opportunity to speak to Gregor this week, but you know he's got to be happy with that sixty four twelve. As you say, you know you, you'll be difficult to pull out who's scored all the tries. I'm sure he'll be happy with the guys sticking to their shape and structure because again, you you only get that when you play that shape and uh, you maintain your game plan to get to the 64. So again, that's a, it's a real good confidence booster. They probably, you know, when you're looking at the league, Shire probably know themselves that, that they're probably out of contention now. You're looking at Oban, who have, who have quite a few games in hand on them. DL are sitting, you know, nearly 12 points ahead of them. with only one game, one game extra played. So, you know, they'll probably look at that as, as a little bit of disappointment, but, they're playing some good rugby. They are they are winning when they're playing most of these games, and it just comes down to consistency. We we talk about it week in week out. If you if you're able to be consistent in these leagues and and manage to deal with uh, some weeks you'll win by sixty points and some weeks you're going to be in a dog fight, then that's what gets you promotion into into the leagues above. So Shire will fire on the rest of this season, try and build some momentum, try and build a bit of a aura round about them to get into next season so that when teams see that they're drawn against the Shire they'll they'll be panicking. They'll know that they've got that back line who will build in confidence and grow in confidence, scoring sixty four points in games. There's a lot of, you know, good young talent at Shire. So we had Neve on last week talking about that, how much she's developing the school stuff and we've got some stuff about any other rugby business as well going on in the region with the schools. So it's, uh, it's going to look good for Shire and if they keep winning that'll draw attention success build success and and then they can probably look at next season as the as the real push to see if they can get get a promotion out of that elite division I said they're too good to be in that division you know there is teams there that are, are playing really well but if you're winning 60 64 12 you're not really learning much so the restructure will probably do them some good as well make that league a little bit stronger but I think Shire should be, you know, building for next season now. 
Yeah, it's, I'd say it's really it really is crunch time in the season for a lot of these teams. You know, Newton Stewart just have to keep winning if they want to have a shout at that title spot. Saints to cement a place in the league and say the same for Shire because they both need to build for next season. Stewart Tree playing on two different fronts. It, it's it's definitely crunch time in the season with all these rearranged fixtures coming up. You know, we've only four fixtures to preview this weekend. It's a bit mission mash of who you're going to play and when you're going to play it and all a bit confusing time of the season, but it's what will probably define most of your finishing positions and points differences and that kind of stuff. As we move into the women's results, two very almost similar in the scoreline fixtures two very interesting scorelines in the fixtures. Now we start with a, it's gotten to say, it's just got, that's all I can really think to say, is that it's gotten to say the the streak, the winning streak has unfortunately come to an end for the Stuartry Sirens. They were playing Harriet's Blues in the cup and they lost 29-7. Now John, I know that you were there, you've been doing a fair bit of work with the girls Last week, it was good at training. Uh, whenever whenever I was, at, I was at training Tuesday and Thursday to look over and, and you were on the other side of the pitch with with the girls. Disappointing result, but, you know, 11 out of 11 as a streak was, was amazing. How did you see the game? It's a team that play in the league above. It's a good measure of how it's going to go next season. How was it in your eyes? Yeah, and Alison, it was... Uh... The streak was going to end at some point. It was, it was maybe a little bit disappointing that um, it was this weekend because there was there was certainly opportunities there where I thought that the sirens had had the measure of Herits. The, the scoreline probably flatters them a little bit. But before I go on to the, having a having a look at the game, I'm just going to address the the situation here that I stepped in to help the Stuart first fifteen when Sandy was down. And they lost to Garnock. I took over the sirens at the weekend there against Ayr, and that was a, a tight game, tighter than than what most people would have probably expected. And now I was I was helping this weekend, and the sirens lost. I'm going to take that as I'm obviously the omen, and it's obviously my fault that that these things are happening to to these to these teams. I can only apologise to everybody. <laughs> That's involved. <laughs> I think I think that's a bit harsh on yourself, John. I know how on on looking on the outside, I know how it must look, and maybe how it might even feel to you. But to be fair, you've those are the the two hardest games of Siren season were Air and Harriet Blues, and you were do, and you did those. And the hardest game of of the Stuart Remains was Garnock, and the most important. It's just a shame that it didn't land on the right side all the time. <laughs> Thank, thanks for that, mate. Thanks for that. But yeah, no, listen, it's it's about for this cup run. If, if we're totally honest with the sirens, that's it's looking at building for for next season, doing doing some smashing grabs, see if we can if we can grab some points off these Premiership sides, and getting a measure of where where they actually are in terms of their their standing or where they're going to be in the league next season. And as I said, I was down and I was I was watching the game. And the, the the sirens' work rate was just incredible. Harriet's composure was what won them the game. So they were just able just to absorb some of that that chaos and some of that pressure 
that was being exerted and and able to just calm themselves down and be able to play back into shape and back into structure. Um, they probably set a little bit quicker than the sirens, and they probably were able to, as I say, manage those set pieces and the and the open play. They made some good line breaks, but sirens scramble defence was just incredible. Uh, Holly Murdoch, I think, was all over the place. I genuinely thought she was playing in three different positions at the weekend. She popped up, she made a tackle next to a rock, and then there was a line break on the wing, and she somehow managed to get across there and make a cover tackle on that. And then there was another hit up in the middle of the field, and somehow she was in, in that rock. Just some incredible work rate from her. I, I know we talk about her every, every weekend as well as Phaedra. She was up against Megan Gaffney, who has only just retired from international rugby. And with ball in hand, Phaedra had her on toast three, four times. Absolutely done her. Burnt her. You know, you can see Megan's class. She was she was a classy player about the pitch. She was involved. She was getting second touches and, and all the rest of it. But as I say, one-on-one ball in hand, Phaedra had her in, a, in her pocket, in my opinion. Some of the play from the forwards... Was was just incredible as well. You know, the, some big carries. Uh, shout out to Dawn, who was playing with injured ribs. Took another dot to the ribs again this weekend, but but refused to go off and, and stayed on. We had to convince the, the assistant referee that she was a qualified nurse and and she was the what best person to make a, make a call if she was allowed to stay on or not because he was trying to get us to take her off, but she was wanting to stay on. So it was just, you know, real guts and determination from the sirens and they're they're only you know a half second away that the ball was just a lot quicker for Harriet's as as I say their setup was just a, a tad bit more organized Harriet's Blues played a little bit of mind games before the game by by sort of trying to call the game off because they had a lot of girls apparently selected for the Scotland Futures program which was going to make them unavailable at the weekend uh, they thought that they weren't going to have enough players but when the competition rules basically said that they weren't allowed to move that fixture that had to be played, all of a sudden they managed to, to rustle up some, sort of 17, 18 players, which again added to that little bit of chaos at the beginning of the game when Sirens thought they were going to be playing 13 aside and then all of a sudden it changed to 15 aside. So there was some some shuffling, uh, some shuffling going on or required from there. So they just handled that. They just handled that better, Heretz. Sirens kind of got caught in the hop a little bit, but there's some real green shoots there for them. Opportunities, they get a good. Uh, speaking to Dav after the game, you know, I sort of said to him, if you, if you give a good three four weeks pre season, then then you're probably you're probably beating Herets. If you if you get a good pre season, then Herets are were mid table in that Premiership, so. There's definitely an opportunity there for the Sirens, and although this one's maybe a little bit hard to take, and you're looking at the next couple of fixtures coming up with Hillhead, Jordan Hill, who, again, are, are a bit of a better side than Herriots and Kerstorfen as well in their pull of the cup. Uh, those will be tough, tough games. But there's certainly some some room for improvement, but there's definitely good signs there that, that the Sirens will be will be more than capable of handling themselves in the Premiership. It's not going to be a case of 50, 60, 70 points. Sirens will definitely hold hold a lot of teams to account and really make them work for their victories because Heriot's really had to work for it. And a shout-out to, to Jack Steele 
on the score predictor because he predicted 30 points to Heretz, 10 to Stewartry. So that's pretty close as well. So well done to Jack on that one. Last but not least then, John, as I said before, almost the exact carbon copy scoreline in this next one, as we just said, Siren 7, Heriot's Blues 29. This one was Lismore 7, Annan 24. Yeah, and, and even more impressive was that the score predictor had Lismore as favourites. There was only two people in the score predictor, Scott from Newton Stewart and Jack Steele, who predicted an Annan win. And if you had any inside information, you, you probably would think Lismore as, as well were going to be probably going into this game as favourites as Annan only travelled uh, with 15 players due to just some unav- unavailability. There was a number of players playing out of positions. Their usual 8, 9 and 10 were all unavailable. The 8 and 9 were over in Paris watching Scotland v France and unfortunately 10 had been away out working. So there was a couple of games, a couple of players, sorry, that were getting their first game. Tabitha Williams played her first game, stepped in at nine when she normally plays in the back row. And Caroline the Bus Richardson has had had her first game back after five years after having some bambinos and a little bit of an injury. So she came back to play the game as well and help Annan Warriors out. So the team played really well in attack. They played a much simpler game than what they would normally do with obviously a lot of new players in those positions. And the defence was real good. It was solid in the first quarter of the game. Best of the pack was the bus, Caroline Richardson. Not only did she come back, but she ended up, she played an absolute blinder. And captain for the day, Rihanna Parker-Clevent played really well. And the second row is Megan Muir, no relation, and Hannah Parson, also big shouts to them. And in the backs, Tabitha Williams with her shift from the back row to nine. Joanne Clark and Ashley Cole all played well in that game. So it's a, it's a real good victory for the Annan Warriors. And when we look back and we, we previewed them, it was a bit 50-50. We weren't sure Lismore... We finished with five and five, uh, and Annan were five and seven. The extra games Annan played the, the losses, so we thought it was going to be was going to be a tighter game than what it was. But Annan came out stronger uh, in that victory, so good job for them. Yeah, some really good results all round for most of the sides in D and G. Some really entertaining games by the sounds of things, and I don't think this weekend will be any different. Now. We've kind of already said what each of these teams need to be doing from now on, John, as we say this is crunch time in the season. So we've kind of kind of just said it, but maybe we can dissect the teams that they're, they're going to be playing this weekend a little bit more than, than we usually do. Newton Stewart, of course, just off the back of big Dumfries and Galloway rival win. They're going back home and they've got Preston Lodge, which is a big game in that league and a big game for their season. PL, we've, we've talked about PL a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, when we, in fact, last episode, was it when, when they beat Saints 24-17? So Newton will know what PL are coming with. PL are always a big physical side who who try and take you on up front, and, and that was how they managed to beat the Saints. 
the time before. Preston Lodge are sort of sitting mid-table in that league. So they're no, by no means no mugs, but as we've said time and time again, Newton Stewart now top of that table, they're going to have a target on their back. And all you have to do, Roscoe, is, is look back to Saturday the 12th of November when Preston Lodge managed to beat Newton Stewart 34-20. So there's there's a bit of history behind those two sides and we'll be, it'll be interesting to see how lessons have been learned from that game. They're obviously on a good run just now, but how they take that into the next game and, and see if they can match PL physically will, will probably be the difference. And if you look back at that result, Roscoe, PL seemed to batter Newton Stewart in the breakdown. They had a much better line speed. And I think if I remember rightly, Newton Stewart, Newton led in the first half and then ended up losing 20 points to 10 at half time. Newton, if they if they start well, they're going to have to make sure that they keep on top of that PL team because they, they, they'll not be easily broken, as we say. We're hoping that their their pack is able to hold up to the to the front row battle because that's certainly key and that was key in that that last game. So it'll be interesting, as we say, to see how Newton match up and see if they can take that physicality. They want to play that fast flowing rugby, but they're not allowed to play that fast flowing rugby if if you win that front battle. It'll also be interesting to see how the Saints come off the back of the Newton Stewart loss. Of course. Will they be buoyed by the fact that they only lost by three points to top of the table? Will that have knocked them a little bit? How are we looking at this one as they're away to Berwick? Yeah, I think I think there'll be there's going to be an element of disappointment because it's obviously a local derby. No one wants to no one wants to lose a local derby. And and I haven't been corrected by anyone when I said on the podcast last week that I think if Newton go and win at Park Farm, it'll be the first time in a league game they've won at Park Farm. No one's corrected me on that, so I'm I'm still going to stick by that. And obviously their their home record so far this season, Saints had been pretty impressive, but that's now two games on the bounce they've lost at home. So they're obviously away to Berwick this weekend. They did play Berwick again back on the on the 12th of November and they managed to come away with a win there. So it's probably going to be much, much the same as what they're looking for. They had slicker breakdowns than Berwick stepped up in the second half and they managed to really expose Berwick in the wide channels, uh, playing with some width. So I imagine it's going to be pretty much the same for Saints. They're, they're going to want to be physical up front. Berwick at home is going to be a, a maybe a slightly more ominous task than than a, a Berwick team on the road. So they'll need to they'll hopefully front up to that, make sure the breakdowns are still as as tight as they need to be. As Goldie said, uh, the Newton Stewart game they had a couple of opportunities to to maybe cross the line and and got some white line fever. So they'll be hoping to try and convert some of those chances because that's. That's the difference between winning and losing sometimes in these in these games, and we'll see what they we'll see what they get up to. Berwick sitting fifth in the table, Roscoe is is going to be is going to be an ominous task for them. Saints need to get their themselves back up that table because they're much better than than well they're currently sitting fourth bottom. What's the word? Penultimately, I was going to say second to not last least, but that's <laughs> that's not English. 
Penultimately, John, we're stepping away from league action for a second with Stuart Tree, who have got a quarterfinal clash away to Linlithgow. Now, from what I knew last time I checked, this one is looking to be a really spicy matchup because Linlithgow are more or less our East mirror, or at least they were at the time, drifting between that first and second spot in East 1. We, for a long time, drifted in between that first and second spot in West 1. So Sandy went to watch them at the at the weekend as well, said they've they've got some good qualities. And by all accounts, I think it's going to be a really good matchup of a game. Yeah, Roscoe, as you say, they're, they're on a little bit of, a, of a, a run of form as well. They've won their last seven or eight games now. North Berwick was the was the only team to have beat them way back on the 22nd of October. Um, they've won every game since then. So they're obviously a real a real good side. There's been a few big scores as well. They they beat Portobello back at the beginning of February 78-5. They managed to beat Broughton 50 points to 15 back in December. November they beat Duns seventy four twelve. So as you say, they're they're probably a pretty uh, mirror image of the of the Stewartry season over there. They've obviously been on that run of form. We've had a slight dip in form that we've now hopefully sort of ironed out. But it's a quarter final of a national shield. It's a one match. There is no there is no replay. There is no you lose this game, you are you are out of it. So it's all to play for. It's a real throwback to rugby of old where you, you get to jump on a bus and and travel a little bit and play an opposition that, I mean, I've played at Longlithgow years and years and years ago, but with, with the restructures and the regionalisation of the leagues, you sort of lose those, lose those little trips where you get to go and play other teams. So I think it's a real, regardless of what happens in the result, obviously we're hoping for a future win. But uh, I think this is a, a real good development for the cup competition and making this a national shield where you qualify out of your regional pool and you start playing sort of some national fixtures. And this will be a real test for Stuart Trade to see if they do end up in a national league, how well do they travel? Yeah, I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm absolutely gutted. I am away this weekend, so not only missing a chance at an away trip and, and somewhere outside of West of Scotland. But of course, it's a quarter final and it's a, it's a great chance for a shot at a semi and then a shot at Murrayfield. But what I will say, even though I'm not there, I'm what the one thing I'm quite confident about, and correct me if I'm wrong here, John, or anyone else that would know, I believe now at this stage in the Cup, you're allowed more subs. I think it goes from four to seven. Am I right? Is that right? I think you're right. So, and of course, this might be exactly the same case for Linlithgow. Don't get me wrong. I don't know how many subs you're allowed in East 1. I don't know if they put a lot of onus on putting seconds teams out, whatever. But what I do know is three more subs with the quality and strength and depth that this Stewartry team have, I think is a real, real bonus. Normally, we go with a 3-1 split, only having one back on the bench. I don't know how Sandy will do it, maybe maybe 4-3 or, or whatever whatever he does, but to have more than 
four subs to bring off the bench, as I say, with the quality that we have in this team, especially in the back line, I think it could be huge. Bringing players that could easily start the games off the bench is, you know, Sandy said it when we had him on. It's like, it's a dream come true to to be able to have that many players to choose from and to bring on first 15 level players off the bench, all seven of them, you know, fresh legs could make a difference. We see that in international rugby and it could be the difference in this, as you say, John, one-off cup game. Yeah, well, I'll literally take the words right out of my mouth there, Ross. Uh, absolutely. You know, they talk about it at international, how important it is to to manage those finishers, as they're, as they're now called at, at that level, or game changers, whatever your your choice of buzzword for the for the moment is. But yeah, being able to being able to call on those players and, and sort of let players know, listen, you can bust the gut for sixty minutes, fifty minutes, and uh, we have subs that can come on and and fill those positions and not have to worry about if someone goes down, you may you may have to go back on. You know, you can you can give it your all for for the allotted time that that Sandy says that we need to do. You can go out there, empty the tank, and and know that you've you've put in a hundred percent, and know that there's someone there coming on to to fill that space who's who's of a quality that you know you can trust, and that's and that's what it that's what it's about. And as you say, the hard work that the guys have done in getting that second team out with Andrew Pickin and David Steele, getting that Galloway twos out is is only going to be is only going to be a benefit when we when we have these opportunities where we have some extra subs to, to fill a bench. Exactly. Gutted that it, it won't be me, but I can assure you that whoever it is will be bringing quality off the bench. So obviously we wish them the best of luck for their cup quarter final. Last but not least, someone that will be wanting impact from not only his bench, but his full starting 15 as well. They've been out of action for a couple of weeks now. And I'm sure they're absolutely raring to get back into it. It's been a while since we've mentioned them. Moffat, Cammy Little's Moffat, at home, and they've got Isle of Mull. Yeah, so this is the this is the old the old chestnut of you. You never know what Isle of Mull team is is going to come down. I think we're, if you remember back to Cammy's episode when we when we chatted to him, you know, in, in this league there is such a reliance, especially for the Isle of Mull. Of, of boys who are at uni who have an ability to travel down and maybe get get back into fixtures from their home club, their club of origin. You know, they are from the LML, but being able to then call on those guys that are on the mainland to, to come and fulfil those fixtures. So a trip down to Moffat, being that close to the waterway, you know, it's an easy jaunt down for, for somebody, a student in Glasgow or for someone working in around the, the central belt to, to jot down to Moffat and be able to give them a hand. And Moffat have to be looking at this as one of the games that they, they have to try and win. Mull are sitting just ahead of them in the table. Moffat have played an extra game and Mull have managed to grab an extra couple of wins, but I think that's mostly been due to teams unable to travel across to them. So it's a it's an interesting one for Cami to be able to, you know, hopefully get hopefully get a, a squad out with a bench because that's always key for for those guys is is getting players that are available for them. 
to be able to get that and take advantage of possibly a Mull team who are struggling to get guys off the island who maybe haven't played together all that much um, if they're relying on guys coming from the central belt to come and play. So that'll be a real corker of a game. Unfortunately for Cami, I'm I'm still suffering with my with my sore finger. Otherwise, uh, a home game I might have been able to rock on the boots, but he'll be on his own this weekend. I'm, unfortunately, I'll not be available. But hopefully, there'll be a whole load of boys lined up, ready for him to to call on, and for them to go and, and get Moffat another victory, as they've only got the the poor lonely one. They're hoping they can uh, double that and get it to two. Yeah, as always, best of luck to. Well, only four this weekend, but best of luck to all four Dumfries and Galloway sides playing. That's us done for results roundup, fixtures preview. We have a fair few any other rugby business to rattle through, John. Speaking of rattling through, I'll just do Six Nations very quickly because, yeah, we need to rattle through it. (laughs) Is that because I won again? (laughs) It's because you're probably about 3,000 points ahead of me, yeah. Unfortunately... Unfortunate point number one, Mr. Scott Graham, you are still 28th of 28. I've said it three times now. I can say it twice more. There's still plenty of rugby left to be played. And it's it's really quite close in all parts of the table. Not so much close between myself and John. I am in 22nd. I don't think I've... Well, it says I've moved one, but I think I... First week I was 23, second week... No, first week I was 22... Second week I was 23, third week I was 22 again. uh, I'm going nowhere, basically. One step forward, two steps back at the moment. Uh, John, you are 10th. You've moved into that top 10 position, doing very well. Congratulations for week three. Thanks, Paul. And, yeah, very tight still at the top. In third, Adam Torbett. You've moved down one, but you're still in that top three position that you're Silver medal has been taken over by Big Al and Rousey Rams is still top in that number one spot. But as I say, still very close, still plenty of rugby left to be played. A little bit of a shout out to Jack Steele, who's fourth and moved up seven places, which is a hell of a lot in fantasy rugby. And buzzing to see what happens for, for the next few weeks. We have a week off this week, don't we? We do, yeah. One week off and then double weekend in a row for that'll give you an opportunity to go and do some scouting see who's see who the movers and shakers are and get yourself higher up that table but yeah I'll do my best John you yourself you've three bits of any other rugby business where would you like to start this week I am going to start with some results from last week we will then move on to a little result weekend and then move on to probably the biggest news of of the weekend soon after that. So uh, looking back on last week, last week we saw again we spoke to we spoke to Cami, who was the deal at Moffat. We spoke to Neve, who's obviously the deal at Shire. Obviously me being a deal myself. I'm really excited to see the opportunities that we uh we offer the young people in Dumfries and Galloway and the opportunities to take part in this this uh, silly game as we as we always describe it where we are chasing an egg about a field. 
but Moffat managed to hold their East qualifying event for the Dumfries and Galloway Schools competition. And this time of year, we, we run it at under-14 level. So a big shout-out to, to Moffat and Lockerbie, who qualified in both the boys' section and the girls' section for the regional finals through in Dumfries towards the end of March. 23rd of March, uh, the regional finals are going to be held. So they played, Moffat managed to play Annan, winning that game 24-7. Lockerbie then also beat Annan 41-15. And then Moffat managed to beat Lockerbie 43-19 in the under-14 boys category. And then the girls category, uh, Moffat ran out 13-0 winners over Annan. Uh, Lockerbie won 13-2 and then Moffat picked up the victory against Lockerbie in the girls section as well, 9 points to 2. So it's uh, it's awesome to see teams getting out and playing rugby and all the coaches and volunteers and referees and, and all that sort of stuff getting behind schools rugby, what we are trying to do at schools rugby. This week we have the West qualifier. So that is going to be Castle Douglas High School, Kukubri Academy, Delbiti High School, Douglas Stewart and Stranraer Academy all taking part in the West qualifiers. So the top two teams from this pool will also qualify in to the to the regional finals and Dumfries are going to be holding theirs. I think they actually have held theirs a couple of weeks ago, if I'm honest. They they've already they've got their qualifiers. They'll have their qualifiers. We'll have ours. Moffat and Lockerbie will be there. Moffat, of course, current champions of that event. So it's exciting stuff to see the future of DNG rugby being being as healthy as it is and and coming through those school programs. So good luck to the teams in the west and well done to to Moffat, Lockerbie, and of course Annan. Second piece of any other rugby business. Then goes to the weekend, where last week we mentioned in any other any, any other rugby business that Annan were making a travel across to Langham to play a little friendly halftime, believe it or not, Roscoe, halftime score. What do you think it would have been at halftime? The full-time score was 30 points to seven. What do you think halftime score would be based on your kind of knowledge of rugby, your experiences, where do you think you would have fell at half time? Seven all. Seven all. Close. Yeah. Close. Nil nil at half time. You know what? I was so close to saying nil nil until you said until you said seven for for Annan, I believe, and then I thought they they they've got to be tying at half time. They've got to be tying. And I really did think nil nil, but yeah, not too far off. So not maybe not the maybe not the most exciting first half, but a bit of a scorcher of a second half. Well, apparently, apparently it was. Apparently, Annan were smashing Langham in the in the first in the first half. They just couldn't couldn't get over. It was a real corker of a game. Langham managing to repel Annan, Annan using the using the kind of wind advantage that they had in that first half to to keep Langham pinned in their half, but then. Second half, yeah, as you say, the Langham with the with the wind probably again took took some opportunities that probably presented themselves. You know, we we kind of talked a little bit 
before about Annan's defence maybe not being as watertight as, as what Gogsy would have wanted. Now, I don't think this was an Annan first 15. I think it was just an Annan buying first seconds squad that went across there just to have a bit of a bit of a runabout and a bit of uh, banter. Because as uh, the next bit of uh, any other rugby business, we'll, we'll let us know that their captain was indeed not not at home uh, this weekend. He was over in uh, over in France enjoying himself. But listen, it's, it's rugby being played outside of the league, being being organised by two clubs, getting guys playing rugby on a weekend where it would have been a, a lull weekend and it would have been an opportunity for, for those guys to find something else to do and, and be bored stiff. So great great to see them being able to play that fixture and, and getting guys out. So shout out to Arne Carmichael and Josh Whiteside who scored the try and got the, the conversion, so the seven points for Annan. But as we say, moving on to the, the biggest news of the weekend. Now, I did message them privately and I said I wouldn't be publicising it on the podcast. I would let them make the announcement themselves. But at the time of recording, it has been officially announced. So I feel it's only right that that we can uh, we can mention them and celebrate with them. A massive shout out to AJ and Nicole Barlow at Annan. AJ is uh, obviously the captain of the men's side. Nicole Barlow is the captain of the ladies team and the future for Annan Rugby Club will be looking bright because those guys got engaged at the weekend uh, over in Paris if ever there was a stereotype I don't know if it was in front of the Eiffel Tower I've not got that information out of them but I'll, I'll, I'll ask them the next time I see them but listen a massive congratulations to those guys uh, they put a lot of time and effort into the rugby club and when you share an interest like that that definitely means some soulmates so well done to to those guys congratulations yeah massive congratulations to them some things are some things are bigger than than rugby itself isn't it and that's great to see as you say in the the future of Anne and rugby in very good hands which i'm sure a lot of people are pretty chuffed about as always john congratulations to everyone we've mentioned and best of luck for everything this week, as I say, we'll be back with a pretty big guest, John, next week, which I'm sure we're looking forward to. But in the in the meantime, we're hoping some good results for the Dumfries and Galloway sides. And of course, the schools playing their rugby as well. Another great bit of Dumfries and Galloway rugby that's putting things in good hands for the future. So we wish them all the best. And thanks to you as well, John. No worries. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on, bud. Pleasure, as always. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a like and review on our social medias. John, give us a wee reminder of what they are. So our Facebook page is Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are DG Rugby Pod. We also have the Score Predictor, which we run weekly which will be on our social media accounts. And once again, thank you for any support that you offer the pod. It really does help us spread the word of rugby and Dumfries and Galloway across the country.